Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you're here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Christine Geshom sharing the word with us today as we begin a new series called Run to Win. Christine shares how we can walk our Christian lives with strength and purpose while being intentional and hopeful throughout. Will you open your heart and mind to see what God has in store for you today? Hi church, what a joy it is to share the word of God with you today. As you noticed, we are starting a brand new series called Run to Win, and it's really inspired by the Olympics and Paralympics that just um uh, finished in Japan. And if you were like me, you might not be an athlete, but you just enjoyed watching the the athletes perform. Wasn't it a joy? It was whether they won or lost, just seeing athletes at the top of their game competing, training and you know, you know the, the Olympics is like the pinnacle of their performances. And so it was amazing to watch um the sports events unfold and and to watch countries win and it was amazing to see our country do so well. And so this series is actually based on what we watched in both the Olympics and the Paralympics. And a lot of times um in the Bible our lives have been likened to that of an athlete's paul specifically writes in 1 corinthians 9 of how each of us are like runners in a race and so this whole series is centered around how we as followers of christ we as christians how are we going to live the lives that are marked out for us if our life is likened to a race how are we running it because our desire our desire is that each of us will run to win not to just kind of you know be in shambles by the end of the race but to finish strong and so i want us to look at 1 corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 to 27 and even as we read it can you just concentrate on what the apostle paul is writing in this he says do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize so run that you may obtain it Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. To understand this verse in its context, you know, I think we need to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 because Paul kind of continues what he's saying in that chapter and this is what he says in chapter 10 verses 1 to 5 I'm reading from the amplified it says for I do not want you to be unaware believers that our fathers were all under the cloud in which God's presence went before them and they all passed miraculously and safely through the red sea and all of them were baptized into Moses into his safekeeping as their leader in the cloud and in the sea and all of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them and the rock was Christ nevertheless god was not well pleased with most of them for they were scattered along the ground in the wilderness because their lack of self control led to disobedience which led to death so what is paul saying what did he first say in chapter 9 he says we are like runners in a race the races are individual lives he's talking about how our goal or our aim is to win the prize that is set before us he's also saying the challenge is to stay focused to stay disciplined to discipline ourselves but in the event of being undisciplined or being permissive 
there is the possibility of being disqualified. That's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9. When we come to 1 Corinthians 10, what is he saying? He is citing the examples of the Israelites, of how Moses led them out from Egypt through the wilderness. And these were a wandering people. They wandered through the desert and they didn't stay faithful to the God who had rescued them. And he says, you know what? They were all being led by one leader. They all walked through the parted Red Sea. They saw what God did in Egypt to Pharaoh and his people. They ate manna, all of them, every single one of them. And yet their sins were so stinking in the eyes of God. Sins of idolatry, sins of sexual immorality, sins of grumbling, eating food offered to idols. The list went on and because of this, they displeased God and many of them fell dead in the wilderness. That's what he says. And today I want to encourage each of us. If you're thinking that, you know, you messed up, you're not where you want to be, you're in great company. Each of us are in different parts of our journeys. But the truth is this, so often, so often we are living our lives just for the moment. Complacency has crept in. Maybe we're just exhausted and we've just sat down on the track of life and said, Lord, I can't do it anymore. Maybe you're saying, I'm so tired. Others are running faster than me. My life seems to be going nowhere. So enough. Maybe you've had thoughts of just ending your life because you said, I don't see this ending in any good way. So I might as well end it. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if your life has gotten sloppy because of certain choices you have made. Maybe you've decided, you know what, enough of this marriage, let me look outside. Maybe you've decided I cannot deal with this child of mine. And so I'm going to close my eyes to what the child does. Maybe you've gotten sloppy. Maybe you've lost focus. The sad thing is if these go unchecked, it will be tragic for us. We could get disqualified and more on that later. But what we believe as we prepared the series, as we prayed about it, as we have walked through some things on our own before we teach this to you, we believe that following Jesus requires a life that is wholly devoted to him. And that involves a lot of discipline. It involves dying to self. It involves discipline in our own lives so that we don't get disqualified, so that we receive and lay claim to that prize that Jesus has promised for us. So I want to ask you today, can you relate to this? Can you relate to what Paul is saying? Yes, each of you know Jesus. All of you know Jesus. All of you have seen the amazing things Jesus has done in your life. You have been saved by the grace of God, by faith in Jesus. But what's happening now? Why have you gotten off track? What's going on that is keeping you from running your race well? I noticed that in my life, there have been times when the race was not being run as I had to. And I noticed that it was because of certain traits. Maybe I was grumbling about something I was going through. Maybe something else had taken up the place of God in my life. That's what he talks about as idolatry. Maybe there was some thought in my mind which was not pure which was displeasing to God. And then I found that I was tired at all times. I found that I couldn't love like I was meant to love. I couldn't have the sustenance I needed to keep running. I just felt like sitting down by the track and weeping in self-pity. But this is what I see from God's word. And this is what I'm watching in our lives. That each of us have been called to run this race faithfully, to run this race with discipline. We can't do it any other way. The interesting thing about those of us who follow Jesus is we think, you know what, I'm saved. 
And so now I can sit in my recliner and Jesus is just going to lead me through. The funny thing is that we want the rewards, but we don't want the restrictions. We want the crown, but we don't want the cross. We want the glory, but we don't want the grit. Today, I want to challenge you. If you want to run and run to win, you need to start carrying your cross. You need to start embracing what life throws at you with the intention that is going to build character in you. You need to start living with this way of looking at yourself and saying, Lord, you have some plan and purpose for me. I'm not going to lose it because of wandering in my mind. I'm not going to wander in the way I live. I'm going to be fixed on you. So if we are going to look at this entire series, we're going to look at different aspects of this race. We're going to look at how we need to train ourselves. Like the Apostle Paul says that, you know, he trained. It requires a lot of discipline. It requires training of the self. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at different aspects of this race. But today, today, we're just going to look at one aspect, which is the race itself. Each of our lives look different, you know, and sometimes it's very easy to get caught up in what our life doesn't have and what someone else's life has. It's so easy to think that my life is the worst, that others have it easy. But can I just say this, um, a disclaimer, everyone's life is hard. Every single person's life on planet Earth is hard. No one is exempt from suffering. No one is exempt from setbacks. But the beauty of it is that if you have Jesus in your life, if Jesus is front and center, there is hope. And he has promised to be with us every step of the way. Imagine that we're not running this race alone. We're not, you know, he's not setting us up to fail. He's not saying, ah, let me see you run and just, you know, chill. No, that's not Jesus. He is with us. He's in us. He's helping us. He's empowering us. And so we're set up to win. But so often, so often we go off track. We veer off course. And so I want to encourage us today that we're going to look at three special ways in which we can run to win. No one's setting you up to fail here. You're set up to win. And as I said, we want to finish well. I think it's in the book of Ecclesiastes where Solomon writes that the end of a thing is better than its beginning. It's so easy to start off, you know, on a high. But how do you and I finish? When I close my eyes in my 70s or 80s, I want to finish it well knowing that I did everything I was created for, knowing that I leave a rich legacy for my children, knowing that I've loved my husband to the fullest capacity I was pos- it was possible of me. What is your desire? Do you want to run to win? Do you want to run when? That's the question. I just pictured myself, I was as I was preparing this, I was just thinking of some of the great runners that I admire, Hussein Bolt or P.T. Usha or Marion Jones, Imagine these guys running a, um, you know, 100 meter sprint with you. If I picture myself, if I picture, you know, the starting gun goes off and all five of us are running towards the finish line. By the time I reach the finish line, I'm going to look terrible. I'm going to look bedraggled. I'm going to look disheveled. I'm going to be out of breath, probably barely even standing up. My knees are going to be knocking. But these seasoned runners have, would have barely broken a sweat. They probably know how to breathe. They've eaten the right things. They've conditioned their bodies. They've disciplined themselves. They finish strong. I want to ask you today, how do you intend to finish? How do you intend to complete your race on earth? Whenever it is, we don't know when our time comes, but how do we want to finish it? Do you want to finish it well? And so the three ways in which I believe that we will be able to run and win are the following. The first thing is that we would stop comparing our lives to others. 
in this age of social media of of uh, lives that are probably on on part display on different media platforms i believe that one of the primary tools of the enemy is to use the, the tool of comparison he makes you feel like you just don't have it all he shows you friends who are holidaying throughout the year it looks like it it shows you friends who are succeeding at what they're doing it shows you people who started out with nothing but have gone somewhere and all of a sudden you're looking at yourself and saying oh my god what am i doing wrong i'm in this 9 to 5 job i'm earning my usual monthly salary but i don't who has the time for a for a holiday who's able to afford that yacht cruise who is able to do these things and we start to compare little do we know what actually happens behind the scenes of our instagram behind the scenes of facebook we don't know we don't know what people's lives really are maybe on a whatsapp group you see something you see a whatsapp picture and you think that person is having it you know really easy you don't know what they're struggling with you don't know what field of testing they're in right now you don't know the furnace that they're in right now you have no clue i have no clue so it's such a vital thing that each of us run our own race and that's what i believe the holy spirit wants to tell us today run your own race don't try to run looking at someone else if you ever driven a car you know that when you are on the highway or on any road you can't keep driving looking looking into the side view mirror and constantly seeing who's on your side you need to look in the front at some point similarly you can't keep looking at what others are doing all around you you will miss the point of your life i want us to look at 1 corinthians 9 verse 24 it says do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize so run that you may obtain it so he basically starts out with race with lot of runners and then he narrows it down to just one person he's talking to that one corinthian and then he brings it down later on in the passage to himself he says i don't want to be disqualified you see how personal the race is the the race is to me my race is for me your race is for you i cannot run your race you cannot run mine so why compare why must we get caught up in the endless game of comparison i remember when we were i was in school in bangalore um we had a, a two guys who used to sit in the back of our classroom they were usually you know the the guys who used to um play jokes on others and so at one point one of our teachers pulled him up pulled up one of the guys and said um, why have you not done your homework or something like that and the guy next to him you know his best friend he would interject and say you know why ma'am because he would give an excuse for this guy and so our teachers retort and this would happen often she would ask him are you his chow chow bath so that's that's some meal that you get in karnataka i guess but what she was basically saying is it is it your business why are you interfering when i'm pulling this guy up and so often we are like children we think you know that person's blessings belong to me that person's car i should have it i've been more faithful that person's blessings i need i think they have it far easier than me but in reality god saying look at your race concentrate on your race don't get caught up in comparison can i encourage you about this comparison is a thief of joy that's what someone wrote comparison is a thief of joy it will deplete you if you have an energy reserve of of 100% the minute you start comparing miraculously your energy levels will drop it will deplete you comparison will depress you because you're thinking in your head 
oh my gosh, their life is better. They have it easier. They have more money. They have children. They have a spouse. And before long, you're in this downward spiral. Comparison will demotivate you. When we are caught up in what God is asking us to do, we're so motivated. We know that there's this goal. I'm running towards this goal. But the minute I look to the other person and I say, I want this, I wish I had that, it demotivates us. What does the Bible say in such a scenario? 1 Corinthians 7 verse 17 says this, Live as you are called. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. In the Amplified, it says this, Only let each one live the life which the Lord has assigned him and to which God has called him. For each person is unique and is accountable for his choices and conduct. Let him walk in his way. The book of Proverbs also talks about how each heart knows its own bitterness. Each of us are walking a different journey. There is no comparison. Even in a family, each of us walk our own journeys. We have our struggles. We have our high points. There is no point trying to compare with someone else because like the Amplified Version said, we are unique and accountable for our own choices and our own conduct. So why compare? God has created us individually unique. He loves us uniquely. He cares for, for us very personally. He's taking us each through testing very, very personally tailor-made to us. My furnace won't be your furnace. That is because he knows us. You know, I mean, the, when our three children sometimes argue with us, they'll tell us of how we've been partial to one over the other. And that's the single thing that irritates me the most because they don't see them as I see them. I know each of my children reasonably well. I know what their likes and dislikes are. I know what their EQs are. So when I cater to them, I do it as per my knowledge of them, of what I understand of them. And while it looks unfair to them, I know that I'm doing the best I can across the border. That's what God is doing with each of us. We are children of God. He loves us as only a perfect father can. He knows what I can handle. So when he walks me through something, I, he knows I can handle it. When he blesses me in a certain way, he knows that I will en enjoy it in a certain way. So why compare? It diminishes who God is when we compare. Uh, a famous Olympian has written a blog, which I was reading recently, and she instructs new Olympians, you know, the ones who are participating in um, the Olympics or who are trying out for them. She says, never try something that has worked out for someone else. For example, she says, if for you, your pre-race meal is, you know, oats and a banana or, you know, a, a shake, don't try something that has worked for someone. They might just say, hey, you know what, for me, uh, toast and peanut butter works, try it out. She says, what works for you, let it continue working for you. Don't try something new. Don't take in advice here and there. You'll mess yourself up. And look at the bigger picture of that. So often we want what others have. They made it big in the stock markets. I should try, you know, dabbling in the stock markets. They started a small business during the lockdown. I should probably start a small business. They started homeschooling their children. I should probably do the same. Each person's life context is different. Each person's story is different. Don't compare. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. That's what Paul says. 
So how do you actually prevent comparison from taking root in your life? It's very simple. The minute you see someone's blessing, sometimes sometimes you look at someone else's life and you wish that was yours, put the brakes on that thought immediately. Say no. Lord, I'm grateful that person is blessed, but I thank you for where I'm at right now. Are you looking at a married person and saying, I wish I was like them. I wish I had a spouse. Celebrate where God has brought you. Celebrate that he's brought you into a place of safety and, and abundance. Maybe you're struggling financially and you're thinking, I wish I had that house that they have. I wish I had the finances they have. Why not just thank God for breath in your lungs, that you're alive and well and able to actually live in the space that God has given you. I don't know what you've been caught up with in terms of comparison. Can I ask you today? that you will embrace the journey God has got for you, that you will stop comparing, that you will start rejoicing. Start rejoicing for others. Start rejoicing for yourself. That's very important. Let's not waste time and energy in comparison. Let's embrace the journey God has for us. Run your race. Don't run someone else's race. Don't even envision someone else's race. You don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's between him or her and God. That's the first thing. Stop comparing. The second thing is that we'll start being intentional. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 to 27. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. I don't box as one boxing the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What he's talking about here is very intentional actions, intentional behaviors, intentional reactions. He's talking about being intentional, how we live as a whole. He's saying that he ex every athlete exercises self-control. They will not eat any old thing. If they need to carb load, they eat those specific carbs. If they need to hydrate, they know what they should drink. If they know they need to spend these many hours in exercise, they do exactly that. They're very intentional. He says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. And another translation says, I make it my slave. And in, in a lot of cultures, they've, of course, brought in a lot of uh, twists and turns to this. But this is not talking about self-flagellation or punishing yourself physically. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about bringing our fleshly desires and traits under the control of Jesus. It's crucifying ourselves spiritually and saying, Lord, you are the Lord of my life. I'm struggling with these desires, these fleshly lusts and desires, but I need your help because I'm not able to do it on my own. It's living intentional that he who lives in me has given me victory over these things. It's living intentionally, knowing that God has some plan in this journey. And so I better start living right. That's what it looks like. 1 Corinthians 10, when we looked at the explanation that Paul gives about all the Israelites and all the sins that they committed, he talks about how they wandered through the wilderness, right? But I believe they were wandering on so many other levels. They had wandered spiritually away from God. The God who had rescued them, the God who was providing for them on a daily basis, who was in front of them in a cloud, they were wandering from him. They were not content with what God had blessed them with. They were tired of the manna and they were talking about the leeks and the melons that they got in Egypt. They were wandering emotionally. Their thoughts were going amok. They had wandered physically, sexual immorality. They created a calf, golden calf, and they had 
started committing sin in front of that. This is the state of a lot of our lives today. This is not so far removed from the culture we see all around us. But today I want to encourage us with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 12 to 13. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What a consolation, what a comfort. Because none of us, not one of us, is going to be exempt from temptations. We live in a fallen world. We live in a time when temptation is all around us. It's probably just a click away on your phone. It could be just on your tab. It could be in the form of a neighbor. It could be in the form of an app. I don't know where your temptation lies. But this is what he says. In case you think, oh, that will never happen to me. I will never do that particular thing. He says, take heed. Look closer at yourself. Be watchful. He also says, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. So every single human is facing some temptation. We face the temptation to grumble. We face the temptation to keep keep something elevated over God. We have the temptation to sin with our bodies, with our minds. All of us, no one is exempt. But with Jesus, we are more than conquerors. With Jesus, we know that we will come out victorious if we would flee from temptation and cling to him, if we would run to him again and again. So the intentionality comes in, in how we watch over ourselves, how we guard ourselves. And when I say, you know, being watchful or being alert or examining yourself, I don't mean that you criticize yourself and run yourself down by no means. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, it means looking closer at ourselves and asking ourselves the hard questions. This past week, I've been having repeated run-ins with one of my children. And every time I have the run-in, after it's over, that particular child is so offended by me. And, you know, we kind of part ways for a, for a time. And I, I go back and I, I feel terrible because I know I lost my cool a little excessively than was required. And I had to ask myself the hard question of why am I doing this? Why do I say those excess things which hurt the child? It's important because watchfulness, alertness requires that we look deeper at ourselves. It means asking ourselves the hard question. Why do I scream at my spouse in that particular way? Why am I so impatient with that person? Why do I mistreat the person who helps me at home? What is behind this? And the, the beauty of it is that, you know, when we start asking ourselves these hard questions, the Lord steps in and he heals us. He, he gives us clarity. He shows us exactly what's going on. Because his intention is not to incriminate us. His intention is to convict us and release us into freedom. Release healing through us. That's what his intentions are. His intentions are so clear and so good. And so I want to ask you, are you saying intentionally, Lord, I need more of you. I'm struggling with temptation. Temptation is permanently at my front door. What do I do? How do I go about this? Because let me say this, resolutions don't work. They don't because we're so weak sometimes. We don't, I, I decide not to message this person. I decide not to do such and such, the resolution will fail. But when we invite the Holy Spirit in and say, Lord, I really want to be intentional about this. I want to do what is right. I want to please you. I don't want to veer off course. 
I want to run my race well. Can you help me? It's beautiful how when we decide to be intentional, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and equips us. He empowers us. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, which says, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, be it navigating your life as a single person, be it a, being a college student, be it someone who's just figuring out your work life, be it someone who's stepped into a space that's completely brand new, culture values are different, moral values are different, you don't know what to do. This is what it says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Maybe you think you're just a homemaker. You're not just a homemaker. You're doing something amazing. Are you doing even that for the glory of God? Maybe you're a small business owner. Are you doing everything to the glory of God? When it says everything, it's talking about a public persona, a, a private persona as well. The one that no one sees, the one behind closed doors. Do I do everything for his glory? Intentionality comes in when I say, Lord, I'm. this is me. I lay everything out before him. I'm struggling with integrity. I'm struggling with my sexuality. I'm struggling in the area of finances because I'm so I'm so used to just spending everything I have. Lord, I'm struggling. Help me. Intentionality means I watch over myself. When I mess up, I don't just sweep it under the carpet of grace. But instead I say, Lord, I don't want to cheapen your grace. I keep doing this, but I need your help to break free from it. It means being watchful. Just because others are committing these things doesn't mean I'm, going to, I'm never going to do it because, you know, I'm above it. But no, he says, take heed lest you fall. It's being watchful and saying, you know what? These are things I'm not going to allow into my life. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to live mindfully. That's what it means to start living intentionally. And the truth is, you know, so often we find that we've just kind of moved and drifted away from the road that was marked out for us because of just being complacent. Yeah, I mean, I hang out with friends who, you know, do these ridiculous things. I know they're completely wrong, but I can't stop being their friends. Or maybe you're saying, I keep doing this thing because, well, I'm in the world. I can't hide from these people. This is my life. Jesus is calling you to a life of intentionality, of following him intentionally, of saying no to certain things intentionally and saying yes to him again and again. Because remember, whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, we do everything for the glory of God. So can we be intentional? Can we look at ourselves closer, be watchful and allow God into every part of our lives? The third thing, how we can run to win is when we continue in hope. We need to stop comparing. We need to start being intentional. And thirdly, we need to continue in hope. You know, like I was saying, some of us, some of us may be running at full steam, you know, running that race, doing the things that are marked out for us, embracing every struggle. Some of us uh, may have just kind of fallen off the wayside. You know, like, I can't do this. This is too hard for me. And I want to encourage you. If you're saying, I've just sat down on the race of life, I'm tired. There is no light at the end of my tunnel. What do I do then? This is for you. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 26 says, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. We are not running with uncertainty, which is funny because we live in a very uncertain time. We live in a world which is uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen the next minute. We don't know what rules are going to be implemented the next hour. 
We don't know what the future looks like for all our children. We don't look, know what it looks like for our cities. So life is uncertain, but we don't run with uncertainty because of the hope we have in Jesus. Can we look at Titus chapter 2 verses 11 to 14? This is what it says. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. And I love that line. It says, waiting for our blessed hope. He's talking about in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I know for a fact that all of us are hopeful about eternity with Jesus, right? All of us know this, that when I accept him as the Lord and Savior of my life, eternity is promised, eternity with him. I'm, I'm not set out for damnation. I'm headed to eternal life, uh, you know, a resurrection from the dead. I live with him eternally in heaven. I know that. Second thing, of course, I know is that he is coming again, not as a baby, but as a righteous judge. And he is going to judge the world. I know that the second coming of Jesus is imminent. But I also believe this, that in our present situations, however broken it is, however hopeless it seems, I believe that Jesus is going to appear in those situations. He may not make it work the way we have purposed for it to work, but he's going to show up. He's going to bring breakthrough. He's going to bring the miracles. He's going to bring restoration. That's who Jesus is. And that's the hope. Hope does not have to leave the room when people leave the room. Hope doesn't have to leave our life when we lose a job or we lose someone we love. Hope stays. That's what hope is. Hope is believing in Jesus that who Jesus said he was is true. Believing that what he has promised us in his word is true and waiting and believing that it's going to happen. That's hope. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. So why is hope so essential? Why do we need hope? Each of our children through the year wait for their, their birthdays. So we have this tradition where we take that particular child out. Uh, my husband and I spend, you know, a whole evening with them. We shop with them. We, we take them, you know, for dessert. We take them for dinner and dessert and we just sit with them. They talk our ears off and their hope every year when the year begins, when a new year dawns, their hope is in the fact that they will have that time with their mom and dad, that they will get the presence that they've longed for all year. Hope keeps them going from Jan till their birthday. What is your hope today? Have you just gotten exhausted with life? Have you said, I can't because every time I try a new venture, I'm failing. Every time I think I should commit to a relationship, it just doesn't work out. Hope is believing there is so much more. Hope is trusting that no matter how hard the present looks, there's a brighter future ahead. Hope is taking God at his word. If God has said, hey, I have called you, I'm faithful, I'll bring it to completion. It's taking him at his word. It's believing he's not a man that he would like. That's what hope looks like. Isaiah 40 verse 31, one of my favorite passages in the whole of scripture. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run 
and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Same words, they will run and not grow weary. Without hope, our race will be exhausting. Without hope, our race will feel finite. Our race will get to us. We'll have fatigue. We need hope. Hope keeps you and me in the running. It doesn't let us just, you know, sit on the sidelines forever. It has to help you get back up and get back running. Where is your hope today? Has your hope been in that inheritance that is due to you? Has your hope been in a husband or a wife reconciling with you? Why not switch that around and say, Lord, my hope is in you. Jesus, my hope is in you. Whatever you choose to do, I believe that that is the best. What if you switch that around? What a perspective shift that will give you. May your hope be in Jesus. Continue steadfastly in hope. When all else fails, hope. So even as I conclude, this is what I want to leave with you. If you're interested on getting on this journey and saying, I want to run to win. I know I've been running. I feel like I'm running like a hamster on a wheel in the same place. But in truth, you're running a race that is so beautiful. A life with Jesus makes life in this time, in this world, meaningful. It makes it exciting because you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know who you're going to impact. You don't know who's going to impact your life. So it's an exciting, intense life, but it requires that we run it well. No more loose living. No more living like as if it doesn't matter what my choices are. No more living as if, you know what, I can keep comparing, but I can run my race as well. No, we're going to stop comparing. We're going to start living intentionally and we're going to continue in hope until the day we close our eyes. Can I ask you, how is your life? So often we ask each other that, right? How's life going? Today, I want to ask you that in the light of what we just looked at, how is life for you? How has life been? Have you been running it to win or are you setting yourself up to fail on the long run? What is the legacy you desire to leave after your time? It depends on how you run in the present. And so I'm going to pray for each one of us. Pray specifically, even as we close our eyes, can we just ask the Holy Spirit, pray specifically that he will help us fight against the spirit of comparison, that he will help us fight against the spirit of complacency and laziness and fight against hopelessness so that we'll be runners who are disciplined, who are intentional, who are just looking at the goal, looking at Jesus and not giving up hope. Father in heaven, we just thank you for this time. We thank you that you are in our midst. We thank you that you live in us. And Father, we're sorry for the times, Lord, when we have compared our lives with others. We're sorry when we've looked at others and thought they had it better than us. We're sorry when we've coveted others' blessings for ourselves. Father, today we recommit our lives. We come back to you. We say, Lord, we're going to commit to running this race you marked out for us. We're going to run it well, O oh Father. I pray where complacency has crept in, that Lord, you will move it back out. You will clear that up. And that Lord, we live our lives intentionally, on purpose. I pray, O oh Father, where there is hopelessness that has crept in, a depression. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that your Holy Spirit will bring revelation and clarity. That, Lord, there will be once again hope that is brought into hearts. I pray, O oh Father, that we will look to you, you who have called us, believing that you are faithful, Lord, that you will not let us go. 
you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us and we take hold of that promise today we thank you for what you are doing in our lives we believe that lord you're going to have something great in the future i pray that as we run we would run this race well we love you and we thank you in jesus name i pray amen amen church even as you get into the next week i just ask that if you could spend some time by yourself looking at where in your life personally comparison has crept in or where you've been complacent about how you're living your life and would you allow the holy spirit to work in you to change things in you to be open to what he's going to do because we believe the next 4 weeks are going to be powerful we believe that he's going to train each of us up in such a way that we won't just you know straggle across the finish line but we're going to go out strong so i want to encourage you that you would go through this week strong leaning on jesus for everything god bless you thanks for listening to this message we hope you were blessed to hear more messages like this make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes if you like what you are hearing consider rating us subscribing and even sharing it with friends that would really help us for more content from we are zion and to connect with us go to weazion.in remember whoever finds jesus finds life